This portion of our program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of 146. Delicious food and drink, always a nice crowd. You can either eat in the lounge area, there's normally a game on and a nice group of people there, or you could sit out in the dining room. Don't forget the nice weather, they have the deck open. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, delicious food and drinks awaiting for you. I'll see you at the Lodge. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. The McKee two-week controversy over the email seemingly now ends in a resignation. Channel 12 taking the victory lap, and I don't blame them. Has resigned. Good evening, I'm Shannon Heggie. I'm Mike Boncalvo. David Patton submitted his resignation today under mounting pressure following alleged sexist, racist, and unprofessional behavior on a taxpayer-funded trip. In a statement today, Patton's lawyer apologized on his client's behalf, referring to the behavior as an acute stress event. Months after the Whatever trip, that prompted means. a scathing email to Governor Dan McKee's office, embattled state property director David Patton is stepping down. He's been on paid leave since three days after the March 10th taxpayer-funded trip to Philadelphia to visit state contractor Scout LTD. After the trip, Scout officials wrote an email alleging, quote, blatantly sexist, racist, and unprofessional behavior, mostly focused on Patton's actions. Scout officials also accused Patton's former boss, Jim Thorson, of failing to intervene during the trip. Scout's letter has made national news since Target 12 won a public records complaint, forcing Governor Dan McKee's office to release the document last week. In a statement Thursday, Patton's attorney, Michael Lynch, reiterated his stance that Patton's behavior was the result of a mental health event, but acknowledged Patton must step away because of how distracting the issue has become to the state. Lynch went on to apologize on behalf of his client, adding that of any of the matters that occurred, quote, none were part of his fabric and were in no way intentional. Patton's resignation is effective June 30th. And when asked why the governor hadn't fired Patton prior to his resignation, a spokesperson for the governor said they were prepared to move forward with disciplinary proceedings, but it would have required a hearing that could have extended well beyond Mr. Patton's resignation date of June 30th, resulting in the continuation of his paid administrative leave at a cost to taxpayers. Now, the state police are also conducting a criminal investigation, and today the Rhode Island Ethics Commission filed a complaint against both Patton and Thorson. Now, again, though, notice he was well, able to resign. He didn't. He wasn't fired. McKee looks really bad here. As a matter of fact, Governor McKee couldn't look any worse here. This went on for two weeks. Two weeks. National story. Total embarrassment. I mean, they just bungled it. And Governor McKee, what also has happened is that this also uh, furthers the uh, very dysfunctional relationship between the governor in and the local media where now governor mckee i mean and i don't blame i don't blame channel 12 and frankly the providence journal for spiking the ball in the end zone as a result of their actions this guy was forced to resign governor mckee didn't ask him to resign he was then forced out and next thing you know okay so he's gone but the damage done to governor mckee his image the administration um it continues and he also this is a win for let's go over the winners and losers here winners attorney general peter norona ruled release the email channel 12 providence journal Boston Globe jumped on it. The losers, Governor McKee, and then Thorson already has a new job, and then this guy Patton is out. But huge, huge win for the media against Governor McKee. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, 
It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 508-252-3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401-885-4209. Remember to log on to dipetro.com. We have original stories, original videos, also links to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Plus, you can get some great merchandise in the shop. Log on, dipetro.com. Folks, you're listening to the John DePetro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is dipetro.com. Joining us right now is our legal analyst, he is one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. It is attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, uh, this ongoing saga regarding this now famed, actually made national news trip to Philadelphia, the two Rhode Island representatives, David Patton has now resigned. Now, there seems to be still two prongs to this. One is the still state police investigation. The other is apparently the Ethics Commission is going to look into this whole thing. I guess the central question is, with the resignation of this state official, does this take him off the hook for some of the peculiar behavior in, in the worst uh, potential you know, uh, criminal activity? Well, it certainly, I guess, takes him off the front burner. And um, people now know that there has been a conclusion to this up until his resignation there was an open question will the governor terminate him you know how long will the governor stand by this guy um what's the governor going to be willing to say i think uh thor uh, I, I think Patton's um resignation kind of partially puts the administration off the hook as yeah. the public's been waiting for the administration to do something like fire the guy. Right. So the governor never had to make that decision. Um, you're right. The, the things that remain um, include the state, the Rhode Island state police investigation, you know, was there um, criminal extortion that was exhibited by uh, Patton Payton? What I'm not, I think it's Patton yeah. in terms Either of, in, in terms of, you know, is it actionable that he was shaking the folks in Philadelphia down for a six pack of Diet Coke? Is it actionable that um, he was shaking them down for, you know, lunch at some swanky restaurant? Well, that's de minimis in, in, in my view. I mean, the things that really aren't criminal, but they're reprehensible was the slurs uh, to the Chinese American individual the other slurs, you know, ethnic slurs that were being thrown around by this guy uh, and just creepy, um, unacceptable behavior. Now, the ethics complaint that's been filed, again, now that he's resigned, will the Ethics Commission really have an appetite to pursue this to the bitter end? Um, That's an open question. As... uh, Patton was in Philadelphia, you know, taking freebies from everywhere he went. He was taking glassware, cheese. I think he took a pair of some footwear. Um, And he would ask Thorson, is it okay if I do this? And um, Thorson would say, yeah, it doesn't have to be reported because um, it doesn't rise to the level of what you would need to report um, in terms of dollar value. Now, the Ethics Commission says if a public official is gifted anything more than $25 in value, they have to report it, and that wasn't done. Perhaps there wasn't time to report it because all of this hit the fan 
immediately when these guys came back to Rhode Island. But is it an ethical violation to utilize racial slurs? No. But is it, it's, it's reprehensible. But is it an ethics violation to be grabbing freebies everywhere you go and to be shaking down your hosts in Philadelphia for a nice croissant and a nice lunch at a, at a Michelin-starred restaurant. Again, the dollar value of those things might certainly would be in excess of 25 bucks. Um, what's the worst that would happen? You know, there'd be probably a nominal fine and perhaps there'd be some finding of ethical improprieties, but I, I don't think it's going to change um, this guy's life if the ethics commission decides that they need to take a stand on this one. And candidly, I don't really think that the state police will ever investigate this to the point that uh, charges are referred against this guy. I, I think his resignation um, really reduces the newsworthiness of this whole thing. Yes. I think it falls. I think it falls off the front page pretty quickly. Oh, it does, and it, it kind of takes the air out of the balloon. Much like yes. when there's a public official, once they step down, then it kind of goes away. What was certainly keeping it going was the the element that he was still on the state payroll. Folks, we're speaking with our legal analyst, attorney Tim Dot. Tim, this next story out of Boston is bizarre to say the least. With uh, well, you have Harvard Medical School, and they're dealing with real bodies, and people donate bodies to science. And apparently, someone working in the morgue was then finding, boy, uh, the odd element of it. But there's there's a marketplace for this for for different body parts. But it it sounds obviously grisly, but it also sounds like these are very serious charges these individuals are involved in. Yeah, who knew? Who knew there was a yes. market for dead body parts? Wow. Apparently, this was going on at the Harvard Medical School, and apparently, it was also going down, going on um, down in um, Alabama. And apparently, there's a pretty uh, cr- grisly, creepy market for this type of product. Um, apparently, you know, certain. Um, corpses in uh, Alabama would be slated for um, um, to be incinerated, basically. And instead of doing so, um, the, the corpse would be diverted and sold on, I guess, what you'd call a black market. And the same would be happening at the Harvard Medical School. The guy in charge of the morgue you know, people donate their bodies for the purposes of science. I mean, I've done wills for a couple of different couples, and they want their bodies to be donated, in the, let's say, to the Brown Medical School, so that students, medical students, can study um, a body, a cadaver, yeah. which is a, a significant part of any individual's medical training. I mean, these bodies don't just show up. It's usually through donations or, you know, unclaimed bodies. But the fact that when these bodies intended for scientific study are uh, diverted or misappropriated and parts are sold off to a really creepy underground market, um, it's, it, it is criminal. My understanding is because this is um, stealing things that you know this morgue guy does not own he's stealing property from harvard and he is selling it for big bucks in some cases um because most of these transactions cross state lines it becomes um typically a federal case which is always more difficult for defendants than if you're in the state system and my understanding is that each count uh, where they can show that um, body parts or entire cadavers have been improperly or illegally sold, the penalty is up to 15 years imprisonment. So these are felonies of some significance. Um, I'm sure that most of us never heard of this sort of black market until this story broke. And um, one of the guys, the main players in this, they've got his picture up on various, you know, internet web um, uh, stories about this 
And if you take a look at this guy, you'll have an understanding of who's involved in this type yes. of market. Wow. Um, uh, a, a fairly creepy looking individual to say the Very least not much. that not that looks are everything but wow. it's, it's, when Once you look at while. it it's like okay yeah this kind of makes sense that this guy would be up to this type of activity um and the guy from harvard john i believe you know made over a hundred thousand dollars or some significant sum of money selling off all of these um, dead body parts that he had no right to ownership uh, no right to sell he didn't own them. He diverted them. He essentially stole them from um, Harvard and um, sold them for his own account, which is a crime. We speak with our legal analyst. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Falcon Pest Services. 12 months of the year, you could have a pest problem. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts called Falcon Pest Services today. 401 739 1322 free consultation 401 739 1322 locally owned and operated serving rhode island and southeastern mass they offer services for termites bed bugs ants roaches mice rats in the summertime spring fall mosquitoes and many other pests call today for a free consultation whether it's for your home or a restaurant maybe it's once a year maybe it's once a month call falcon pest services today free consultation 401-739-1322 residential and commercial whether it's an office building a school a hotel a restaurant or your home call falcon pest services today free consultation 401-739-1322 we speak with our legal analyst it's attorney tim dodd Tim, we have discussed Nathan Carmen. This was the uh, peculiar, troubled young man. First, certainly there was storm clouds around him regarding the death of his grandfather. Then he decides to take his mother on a sailing trip, and that version of events really didn't hold up. Uh, he did stand trial. He went against the insurance company right here in Rhode Island. Um, but this is... Um, is an odd ending that apparently he has been now found dead in his in his jail cell awaiting trial on the the murder of his mother very surprising uh, abrupt end to a very strange story which has been ongoing for years apparently yes he was found dead in his jail cell and the word is that he left the note so that would you know presume that he took his own life um He's a pretty calculated guy, and I guess if he wanted to take his own life, he would know how to do it. I was kind of looking forward to this trial only yeah. because do I think that he intentionally um, damaged his boat knowing it would sink and knowing that the boat would never get recovered and that they would never find the mother and that he'd be found on a life raft? Do I think he did it all by intent and by design? Yeah, personally, I think that's exactly yeah. what he did. But to prove intent, criminal intent, when you don't have the boat, you don't have the body, um, there is no witnesses. I think it would have been a very challenging case for the prosecution. The prosecution also put in its papers, they didn't charge Nathan with killing his grandfather, but they alleged that he killed the grandfather and... It's pretty apparent, of course, you, there's a difference between what you know and what you can prove in a courtroom. And I think it's pretty well known, at least by his family, that he also killed the grandfather with a particular type of gun. He had purchased that type of gun. And after granddad is found uh, dead, uh, miraculously, um, this guy claims that the gun was stolen. So it's never recovered. They can never do forensics on it. He was a pretty calculated, cold um, um, guy who I think designed all of this. His big mistake and the big, I think, hubris or arrogance, whatever it was, was chasing the short money that he could have recovered yeah. um, from the insurance company for um, losing the boat. He stood to inherit millions from the family estate. He stood to get 
significantly less than that chasing the insurance company yeah. who, you know, the insurance company said, we're not paying this. this is a fraud claim. This was not a negligent situation. This was an intentional act that this guy disabled the boat, <laughs> drilled holes in the hull. Um, it's, it's, he also testified. And that testimony, obviously in a civil case, can be introduced, you know, it's a sworn statements in the, in the criminal case, even if he had chosen not to testify, which I'm sure he would not have testified uh, because he damaged himself by testifying in the, in the insurance case, chasing, as I said, short money. You know, the judge in that case, Judge McConnell, was incredulous at this guy's conduct. And not that it proves or disproves the case, but I always will remember what he said as, you know, he's preparing the, uh, the lifeboat um, and telling his mother to pull in the lines and the boat sinking. The judge says, well, didn't you warn your mother to get in the lifeboat? Didn't you say the boat was sinking? And he said, I considered my mother more of a problem than part of the solution. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Which, I, again, I don't think a um, normal, emotional person who loved his mother and was um, distraught over her accidental death would have ever testified in such a manner. Right. Um, so... It would have been a very interesting, very challenging trial, I think, for the prosecution. And, you know, it's one of those cases where had it gone to trial, you'd look at it and say, gee, this guy just might get away with it. But yep. we'll never know. Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal analyst. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, this next story on uh, uh, Starbucks, th this is unique. If, obviously, the dollar sign jumps out, but there was definitely some uh, allegations towards a manager. And the next thing you know, it, it looks like he's getting a, a huge payday out of this whole thing. Well, yeah, he was uh, terminated for an encounter he had with a couple of uh, minority individuals who were in the store. And I believe he tried to ask them to leave because they were just hanging around. They weren't really purchasing anything. And he um, sued claiming um, he was discriminated against in the manner in which he was fired and for the reasons that he was terminated. And I believe he got a jury award of something like $23 million, most of which is um, punitive damages, I believe, or exemplary, not, because his, his financial claims and his emotional claims would never be worth, in my view, that kind of money. Um, will that jury award stand um, it seems like, you know, I do plaintiff's work and I love hearing about big jury awards, but this one seems a bit disproportionate. Will there be a, a will the judge um, reduce the jury award or will um, Starbucks take an appeal and or try to negotiate pending an appeal, a settlement for lesser dollar values? Um, but it is a um, interesting story where you know, the employee who takes action against individuals who are minorities um, stands up and fights back. And in this case, was awarded a, a, a stunning amount of money. Tim Todd, finally, you know, the cameras have left outside the Miami courtroom. Uh, still a lot of intrigue. It's obviously, you know, not the top story, but the legal problems for President Trump regarding Mar-a-Lago, I, th I think it's interesting that they're waiting to see that they potentially, there could be charges that because apparently he was also moving them to his residence at Bedminster. But what people need to understand is this this thing is moving forward and by all accounts, it th this is going to be a, a high hurdle for the president to try to get over. It is, John. I mean, I, I think that you know, from a political standpoint, President Trump can raise a lot of money saying that this is, you know, a um, vendetta, it's political, and all of those things might be true. But if there's evidence of an underlying crime, you know, then there's evidence of an underlying crime. Yeah. And I think that, as we've discussed, is he likely, based on what we know to date, to get convicted under the Espionage Act? counts within the indictment in Florida, that seems less likely. 
is he likely to get jammed up on the obstruction charge charges multiple charges six or seven yes i think he's got real exposure there and he's also got exposure for um lying to the feds for providing false information uh, we know, it's, we talked about last time, look at Martha Stewart. It wasn't yep. what she did in the stock market. It's how no. she lied to the feds that put her in prison. Yep. And I think the other Achilles heel that the president has to keep an eye on is that his valet, his butler, has also been charged. Yep, Walt. You know? yep. So is he going to stand up or is he going to flip and testify to, um, you know, save what he would otherwise spend in attorney's fees, which is going to be ferocious to defend this thing and to um, avoid his own risk of imprisonment. You know, the feds have to be leaning on him like nothing we've ever seen before, because if they get him to flip, I think the president has an enormous problem, um, even though he may be in a favorable jurisdiction there in, you know, the Miami area of Florida. I, I think this is a tough one for him. I, yeah. he can bluff and bluster for the cameras and at his, um, his, his rallies, but can he beat the New York one? Yes, for sure. That's, yeah. that's a ridiculous case. This right. one has some teeth in it still. Yeah. Folks, again, he is our legal analyst. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, excellent job as always. And we will talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care. remain healthy, stop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401-305-3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's My Health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products, like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skincare. It's my health. Pop in and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401 305 3585 diagonally across from Davenport restaurant. Make sure to find the John DePietro show Facebook page, and you can watch all the action on the scene live stream. Follow it all real time live stream. Just follow John DePietro show right there on the Facebook page. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Joining us right now, he is the director of DOT, but he has, actually has a new job, uh, and I'm very excited for him and for the state of Rhode Island, and it is DOT director Peter Alvidi, who has, I think it's exciting news, Peter, you're taking on this this new role and this new challenge. It is. Um, it will be a challenge, John, but it, it's one that I'm very much looking forward to. Folks, he is going to be, as I understand it, you're going to be chairman of the board of RIPTA. And, Peter, take us through a little bit uh, what's going to go into this. When do you – I think you maybe you just started, but what's what's the plan with your new role as chairman of the board of RIPTA? Well, I, I haven't started yet, but oh. um, the, House, the House and Senate have passed a bill in, a, in both the House and Senate um, – uh, requiring the director of the Department of Transportation to be the chairman of the board of RIPTA. The bill also had in it um, adding an additional member to the board. There are currently eight people on the board, which I guess they recognize after many years of it being that way, um, could result from time to time in tie votes. And rather than have gridlock, uh, they assigned another um, another position on the board, so it would make a nine-member board instead of eight. Um, so the House and Senate passed it, and it's on the governor's desk for him to sign. Um, and when he signs that, then uh, following that, I would uh, assume the chairmanship of RIPTA. Um, 
it's a it's a position that is still uh, just a single vote among a board of nine people now, um, but it also carries with it certain um, certain responsibilities, create missions and statements, and to actually sign legal documents and uh, perform um, many of the administrative functions at the top level of RIPTA. Um, right now, I'm having our attorneys at DOT to do a comprehensive review of the board's and the chairman's um, uh, responsibility and the scope of the uh, of the powers that go with the board and the chairman and they'll report to me uh, they, uh, we had a meeting on it yesterday and uh, uh, during the next week or so I'll get a better sense as to how the board can take and reshape RIPTA into uh, a transit agency that will successfully um, effectively move into the future. Peter, RIPTA it's my understanding um, it, it's not a matter of a money problem it seems to maybe be a focus uh, efficiency, and a, a number that you and I, we, we spoke off air that really jumped out at me is that Rhode Island's number, if, if I understand it, it's, it's only 3% of the public is using public transportation. I think there is huge room for growth there. This could end up being a tremendous story. Uh, what are your initial, you know, vision as you're moving into this role? You're, you're absolutely right, um, John. I think I think the money issues are a symptom of a larger problem. Um, it, it's very, I have to say, after being on the board for several years at Ripta as a board member and listening and observing and reviewing materials that they bring to the board for review and approval, um, it it is very similar to the situation that DOT was in uh, eight years ago. Um, there is a, um, uh, DOT had a plan, a capital plan, uh, that went out four years into the future, but they didn't have the funding or the resources to be able to actually do it. But more importantly, they didn't take it upon themselves to be responsible for generating that revenue stream, the new revenue stream that um, would fund the, the corrections to many of the problems. They had 27% structurally deficient bridges. Uh, and they didn't have a cohesive plan to actually be doing that. They were doing a, a number of construction projects. And when I walked in the door, nobody could tell me, uh, nobody could tell me whether or not any of the projects were on time or on budget. <laughs> wow. You know so, the old expression, if uh, you don't know where you're going, there's a very good chance you're not going to get there. You, you know, and... Bingo. That is exactly, I think, the, the issue that um, I'm hoping that we can all work together, uh, myself, the board, uh, the public, the legislature, the governor, and um, the administration inside of RIPTA II, uh, turn the ship around and get it pointing in the right direction and create a pathway with a, with a reasonable expectation of the outcome but with benchmarks and missions for people to attain and measurements in place to make sure that they are attained. Um, it's, it's about creating a better transit system for the right. state of Rhode Island. One yep. that would, uh, that would make people want more people want to get out of their cars or out of the mode of transportation that they currently use using and use mass transportation. Now, that's not going to be everyone. Right. And and it's not necessarily going to be the same numbers that other states show. Um, we're, we are Rhode Island. So I think as we do with roadworks, um, my, my mission and my vision for the agency is to create a unique Rhode Island solution to this problem. And, I mean, it's evident that there are problems. I mean, the, the administration inside RIPTA recognizes that there are problems. The, yeah. the legislature apparently does because they passed this law changing the leadership of the board. Um, and uh, I'll look to their direction 
for where uh, we want to be when we grow up as a transit agency. And, um, and then we'll create the mission, but not just the mission and not just the goals, but an actual real plan that is really financed, that is that has the um, back office at Ripta to be able to actually implement it. And then incrementally over the next several years, begin to show those improvements uh, to the taxpayers of the state as to what they're getting for the money that they're investing in this new transit system. So um, we'll use uh, pretty much, uh, I'm being gassed to use the roadworks model Good. as a model to move Good. to move um, RIPTA forward also. Good. Folks, again, we're speaking with Peter Alvidi, DOT director, but now chairman of the board of RIPTA. And P- Peter, just, you know, I want to have several conversations with you on this going forward because that 3% number just jumps out at me. You know, you look at Massachusetts, Governor Baker, he had so many problems with the MBTA. Now Governor Healy's having them. Transportation, though, when you get it right and it's efficient and it's reliable and people, people, you know, if people say, I would love to be able to go to fill in the blank and not have to worry about parking and yeah. get there timely yeah. and save money, all of those things make sense. I would argue the need, the opening is there. It all just has to tie together. Right. And and we need to pay attention to the ultimately the users. Yes. But, and not only the users that are currently using it, which is where the concentration has been, but we need to open our ears and listen to the users, the potential users who are not currently using uh, bus transportation or transit and, and, and figure out the reason that they're not and what we need to do in order to change that paradigm. And, um, and I think that's where the concentration needs to really be. We tried at DOT, in terms of roadworks and on a daily and weekly basis, and we still are, even after eight years, try to keep an ear open to the public. Not a select few of very highly vocal people, but of the general public who is paying the bill for what we do in government and try to respond to that in order to meet the needs of all of the people. And, and I think that's where... Ripton um, can look forward to some considerable and exciting growth that there is a uh, 97% of the population that is fertile ground if we create a transit system that will attract that them and and that will make them want to use it. Wow. I think it's a huge upside. Uh, I think it's exciting, folks. Again, perfect person for the job. He is DOT Director Peter Alvidi. Peter, this is first of many different conversations. I want to leave you one last quote. It was something, uh, it was a public official told me a long time ago, said the worst thing that ever happened for mayors and governors and everyone else was the, the moon landing because that day forward, Every time something would go wrong, people would say, we can land a man on the moon, but we yes. can't get the buses to run on time. <laughs> Folks, again, he is DOT director, king of the road, soon soon to be king of the bus path, is Peter Alvida. Uh, uh, director Alvida, great to talk to you, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much, John. And uh, I look forward to carrying this conversation into the future. There's going to be um, a lot of conversation, I'm sure. Uh, about it there'll be controversy there'll be back and forth but ultimately um i what i've been asked to do by the um by the house the senate and and soon if the governor signs it by him is to uh make a better transit agency or at least do what i can to do that and i i certainly will try to do that i promise you Get your driveway paved. J. Perry Paving. Letter J. J. Perry Paving. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 25 years experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating. Call for a free estimate today, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 
Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. J. Perry Paving, a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs. No matter how big, how small, contact them today for a free quote, 401 732 1730. What a difference it makes for your driveway, for your business, parking lot. J, letter J, J Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. Online at jperrypaving.com and look for them on Facebook. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM can always listen online at the website to petro.com this story about these people stealing the uh remains body parts and then selling them out of the morgue of the harvard medical school it's so bizarre it's so disturbing I want to play, this is uh, the WBZ story on this. At Harvard Medical School and then sold. Several people from New England have been arrested. The theft of body parts, of course, is disturbing enough. But who bought the remains and for what use? WBZ's Christina Rex has that story. Blood and bone dominoes and boxes of bones were some of the things sold on Jeremy Pauly's Facebook page. To collect a human skull, it's like a holy grail for him. Ah. The Pennsylvania man is indicted in the nationwide mm. scheme that includes several defendants from New England accused of stealing body parts. He considers himself an oddities collector. Oddities is a broad term that can mean taxidermy, bones, medical memorabilia, and vintage horror. Oh. This TikTok video shows human bones on sale in Salem, an oddities collector found in 2021. North Shore defendant Katrina McLean is also an oddities collector and seller, according to her since-deleted Instagram page. The sale of human bones actually is legal in every state except Louisiana, Georgia, and Tennessee. The problem in this case is that these bones were not these defendants' property to sell. I think it sets back the medical industry. John Pachaya Ferry owns John's Bones in New York and has collected human remains since he was 13. My father gave me a mouse skeleton when I was 13, and instead of presenting it as scary, creepy, and dark, he presented it to me as academic and educational, and that really pioneered my love for bones. He says all of his products are 50 to 100 years old and donated by people in the medical field and often purchased for research and learning. While he understands the love for bones and even sells them himself, the way the bones in this nationwide scheme were sold and used is wrong, he says. People that aren't willing to follow laws and are willing to do it um, for the wrong reasons, I completely do not agree with. Um, It really sets back the work that we're trying to do at John's Bones about making it more accessible and further demonizes the industry at large. In the nationwide criminal scheme, investigators say it was more than just bones that were exchanged, but skin and brains as well. Students here at Harvard Medical School worry this scandal will lead to a drop in donations and will affect future doctors' education. In Boston, Christina Rex, WBZ News. Well, of course it will. And they were, that woman in Salem, Cats creepy creations she she was a big you know part of that but it, it it's so twisted of who would want to be purchasing these things it even made it on to uh, news nation last night a man accused of stealing body parts from the harvard medical school morgue and selling them online now faces charges here's everything we know police say a former manager of the morgue took heads brains skin uh. and bones home then mailed them to buyers from 2018 to earlier this year. Authorities say in some cases, the man even allowed people to come to the morgue to pick up what remains they wanted to buy. Harvard deans released a statement calling the matter, quote, morally reprehensible. Bonnies donated to Harvard Medical School are used for education, teaching, or research purposes. Apparently not. Once they're no longer needed, the cadavers are usually cremated. The former morgue manager's wife and five other people have also been indicted in the theft and sale of human body parts. You know, that guy treated as if, hey, if you're just going to throw it out, 
there's actually a market for this type of thing. So, you know, kind of reminds me of growing up. (laughs) Maybe you had a parent. You know, my mother sometimes would say, you know, does anybody want the rest of this meatloaf? If not, we're just going to throw it out. (laughs) So if I don't eat that, it's going to become junk, in other words, or it's just trash. Oh, okay. All right, destroy the rest of those body parts. I could destroy them. Or, you know, there's, I have a guy in Pennsylvania who's willing to pay me for this stuff. My goodness. And the guy, Jeremy Pauly, if you haven't seen him yet, what does he look like? He looks like exactly the type of person who would, in fact, be purchasing. But, I mean, the guy is, half of his face is tattooed green. He has... Um, spokes sticking out of his head which is shaved he has he he looks it's like got a central casting of all right we need someone to play the part obviously lip piss piercings no i was wrong he's got three bolts sticking out of his head maybe four almost like horns weird earrings that's who was interested in um in purchasing them but I wonder if the defense is going to be, hey, they were just going to throw them out. And then, um, you know, until I found this guy in Pennsylvania that would, he would, I don't want to get to, but he would take the skin and dye it. And then so it's very possible there are people that are wearing clothing that is actually human skin. As frightening as that sounds. But then they figure, hey, if people are wearing, you know, normal uh, leather. Let me hear, this is the... um, other local story on this. federal charges. He's accused of selling body Terrible. parts that were donated to the school for scientific research. R- prosecutors say brains, bones, and skin were sold ah. through the mail. Investigators say the buyers spanned across the country. They say this man was buying human skin, and a Salem woman is accused of buying skulls she showcased in her shop. For more on this gruesome scandal, Sevens Robway joins there us live outside Harvard with more. Amanda, Sam, the allegations are certainly disturbing. The medical school here at Harvard says they are appalled by these allegations. Their former employee now accused of being part of a network that sold and bought body parts. Anything to say to those who donated? No comment from 55-year-old Cedric Lodge walking out of federal court in New Hampshire, accused by the FBI of stealing human remains from Harvard Medical School and selling them for profit. Federal investigators say Cedric and his wife, 63-year-old Denise Lodge, both of New Hampshire, were part of a nationwide network of people buying and selling stolen human remains. Ah. According to federal prosecutors, Cedric worked in the morgue at Harvard Medical School, where human cadavers are used in teaching medical students. In the indictment, they explained from 2018 to 2022, Cedric stole dissected portions of donated cadavers, including, for example, heads, brains, skin, bones, and other human remains, and allegedly also used his access to the morgue to allow others to enter the morgue and choose what remains to purchase. Why start doing this? Cedric is accused of taking the body parts from the college to his home, where he and Denise allegedly used social media and their phones to sell them, sometimes sending the human remains through the mail. Harvard releasing a statement saying in part, we are appalled to learn that something so disturbing could happen on our campus, a community dedicated to healing and serving others. The reported incidents are a portrayal of HMS, and most importantly, each of the individuals who altruistically chose to will their bodies to HMS through the anatomical gift program to advance medical education and research. Oh, the three are going back. Oh, they're going around. Neighbors sharing cell phone video of the feds descending on the lodge's home in Goffstown back in March. Wednesday morning, neighbors say the feds were back, this time taking the lodges into custody during a pre-dawn wake-up call, leaving behind the couple's two cars in the driveway with those eerie vanity license plates. The builder thought they were great, nice people. Shocking. Hold on. Can I just see those license plates? What were those grizzly license plates again? Um, I just want to see the one, the part of what the license plates were. Oh, yeah. Grim Reaper was one. And then, um, I mean, all the clues are right there. Dark Shadows. Yeah, Dark Shadows. All right, they're not that bad, but it's still very bizarre. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show.
remain healthy, stop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401-305-3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's My Health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skin care. It's my health. Pop in and see Marie. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401-305-3585, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, dePietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live, or YouTube, or Twitter. It's all right there at the website, dipetro.com. And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at dipetro.com. And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website, dipetro.com. This portion of our program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of 146. Delicious food, drink, always a nice crowd. You can either eat in the lounge area, there's normally a game on and a nice group of people there, or you could sit out in the dining room. Don't forget the nice weather, they have the deck open. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Delicious food and drinks awaiting for you. I'll see you at the Lodge. to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique, original stories, videos, content. Log on right at the website, dipietro.com. Check out Tepetro.com. We have merchandise, all the shows, video, exclusive stories waiting for you right there at Tepetro.com. <laughs> 